Hello and welcome Behind the Bar podcast listeners. Before today's episode gets started, I just wanted to warn everybody that this episode does contain sensitive content and is not intended for all age groups. The discussion that we are bringing up is something that happened to us, happened to me personally, and happened to us as a studio. The names, if mentioned at all, have been changed, and we do not discuss anybody's personal information or their whereabouts at this time. Again, just wanted to give everybody warning that the following episode does contain sensitive content. Thank you for listening. Hi, and welcome to Behind the Par... The Behind the Par! Oh my goodness. Where we talk about partridges in a pear tree. <laughs> I'm Krista. And I'm Taylor. And welcome to Behind the Bar. intro we just had yeah it was We've renamed our podcast <laughs> it'll actually now only be um christmas centric yes hallmark <laughs> themed particularly oh my goodness okay so taylor are you ready to hear more i'm so ready i've been like anticipating this for so long i know i make her wait weeks on week week by week for this kind of stuff um okay so just a quick recap we had discussed a student of ours yep um, that we had for multiple years that had made some very strong, that was saying that they were abused as a child um, and that with further investigation were not abused and that in their teen years were really starting to struggle with almost living in an alternate reality, um, re-entering yeah. abuse allegations. If you are missing any of this and you don't know what we're talking about, you need to go back and Yeah, episode. this is going to be a three-parter, so yeah. you definitely need to, like, listen to You need to, to start on episode seven. Yeah. Okay, so Let's part, get right into this. Let's get right into it. Part, part two. two of the saga. The Emancipation of Mimi. That's Mariah Carey <laughs> album. Oh. <laughs> like, what? Okay, I didn't know that either. Okie dokes. Um, okay, so, yeah, so... Uh, emancipation aside, whatever aside, my daughter is still exhaustedly trying to be friends with this particular individual. Okay. Okay. Why does that not shock me? Because she's very, like, adamant. Very... Yeah. You know? Totally gung-ho. adamant. <laughs> um, also, I think, like, there's such, there was so many... Like, when you dance with somebody as closely, it's... Um, yeah, there's a relationship. There's, like... Yeah. You want to hold on to that. Yeah. Very strong relationship. So, we're now in... My daughter's in grade 11 and child is in grade 12. 12, okay. So um, it starts with, I'm just trying to remember my exact timeline of a certain thing. So it starts with, um, in this child's grade 11 year, the mom actually meets a man. Okay. Lovely man. They get married. So now there's a stepdad. Good for her. Yeah, there's a stepdad. There's another person that can be part of the family support system. Obviously, he doesn't know any of, like, kind of their past stuff. And he's great. And we're still, because our... (coughs) Sorry. Do you have COVID? (laughs) (laughs) Cough. I have a tickle in my throat. Oh, my goodness. I know. Um, 
obviously because our kids are still friends, we are still like not friends necessarily with the family, but but like, on like good enough good terms. enough terms that I go to their their house and I want to know what's going on because I'm nervous about my daughter spending this much time with this child. Yeah, to some degree. So, um, weird. There's weird things happening. So we get in grade into grade eleven. My daughter at this point, then I guess is still in grade ten, and they go like camping for the weekend with the family. Okay. And, um, and these are just little stories, but just little stories that put into pers- perspective how there was, how this dancer was always like reaching out for like the shock factor almost or the attention. So uh, they go camping, they come back. I get a call from another mom that um, our kids were apparently snuck out of the trailer and went drinking while they were camping. Uh. I lose my mind because we have zero tolerance for that. Yeah. And so my husband actually comes to the studio, yanks my child out of her rehearsal because she is going to be killed for (laughs) what has happened, gets her home, and our child is legitimately like, that never happened like nothing ever happened we just camped I would never do that I know the rules no 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 that never happened that never happened meanwhile I have this other mom going well you know this child recounted the whole conversation and said this that and the other so I'm like you know what we're not playing this game and I say to my husband I'm like you're going to take our daughter to this person's house knock on the door and in front of the mom ask and say here's what's being said so he does it and the mom is like, they never drank. And my daughter's like, I know. And the child who's lying is like, I never said that story. And my husband's like, okay, but that's not true. Because we've had a phone call conversation. Our daughter has now gotten in trouble for something she didn't do. Yeah, pulled out of dance class. Like, Yeah, and why are you doing this? Like saying to the kid, why are you doing this? Why would you make up a story? Totally denies it. And the mom is like, my child would never. So she's one of those moms. Yeah. My child would never tell a story like that. So but we're like, hadn't she before? Exactly. So I'm like, this is just friggin' ridiculous. Like, enough's enough. So whatever. We continue through that year. They're still hanging out somewhat. I notice my daughter's shying away a bit because she's just kind of sick and tired of the constant need for attention, the constant need of drama. I probably have 10 million little side stories of little weird things that would happen where we'd all be like, what? Like, never mind the femur and the this and the that and the other. So child starts texting me. My mom is drinking a lot. I am afraid my mom is drinking a lot. My mom right. is drinking a lot. I think my mom's an alcoholic. My mom drove in the car with me drunk. Ah. And so I'm of two minds. I'm of a, oh my goodness, this child's in harm's way, to yeah. a, hey, you lied before, I don't believe you. Yeah. So I take the I don't believe you approach pretty much first. I go to them, like, is this really true? Did this actually happen? Um, you know, you, and I am honest, you and I have had this conversation before and it wasn't true. Yeah. Which comes back to the, like the crying, crying wolf. wolf. You can't cry wolf. No. So how am I to believe you this time? I don't want to be involved. I've already been involved with social services. This is a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and he, she's adamant. I need help. I am feeling unsafe here. And I'm like, where's your stepdad? Right. Cause like stepdad's involved in the house. My stepdad also doesn't know what to do. He's afraid of my mom. My mom's yelling at us all the time. And at this point, they've also bought a brand new house up near me. They live near me. They bought a brand new home, basically just like ours. Like, really weird things. Yes. 
Um, not that the child chooses who buys the house, but it was, it's just, it's all strange. So I suggest to the child that perhaps um, they ask for help. They seek help in a counseling environment. Yeah. Um, because I can't offer that. I'm not a professional counselor. I can't be involved, but I can help you get help. Yeah, you can like help give them the right tools, but you're not going to be that for them. No. So that happens. We go to child uh, substance abuse counseling. Excuse me, counseling, where you're counseled through your parent being a substance abuse uh, abuser. And it's a free service that we have in our area, which is great. And I take her to her first appointment. And I now, I miss work. And I sit there in the lobby. And she goes in to have this conversation. And the counselor comes out to me. And she is like, yeah, this is a huge problem. I am really, really concerned. Oh, God. And I want to set up an appointment to call social services. Again. Again. And I'm like, huh, I'm going to call the stepdad just because I feel like I need to ask some questions. Absolutely. So we set up the appointment for social service phone call. It's going to take place like 48 hours later with this child in the room, me in the room, the counselor in the room. And I phone the stepdad. And I'm like, I have to ask you a question. It's a sensitive topic, but I have been put in an awkward situation with this child before. But I need to know does your wife have a drinking problem? Because I am being told that she is driving drunk and all this kind of unsafe things and that you're feeling unsafe in the home. And he says, yes, yes, she is drinking. He said, she's been hitting the bottle pretty hard these days. Those were his exact words. Hitting the bottle pretty hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, so does this, does the child need a safe place to be? Like, why haven't you done anything? And he's like, honestly, it's not safe to bring it up. She gets really, really angry when we when we bring it up or try to stop her yep. from drinking. Um, I don't know what to do. I feel unsafe. And I'm like, holy smokes. Okay. She's telling the truth. She's telling the truth. And so we, I said, the, so I am more than willing to take this child in to come live with me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I can't leave a kid in an unsafe home. Yep. Our daughter, we're very close. And this is like... Never mind all the studio stuff because we're close that way too. But this is also way more personal yeah. than than business because you also have a relationship with the child. Like you've known them growing up. Yes. So he agrees. He goes, "Yeah, that would be great if she could have a safe place to stay." I warn him that social services is going to be knocking on the door. Okay. Um, and however he wants to deal with that, and I say to him, "I have your permission then to proceed. Like you guys need help." And he's like, "Yes, we need help." So 48 hours later, social services, we go and we do the social services phone call. And the weirdest thing happens in the phone call. The uh, social worker immediately remembers the child from back in grade seven, eight. Yeah. When I made my first three years ago. So she says, hey, so -so. whatever your name is, remember me? I'm blah, blah, blah with social services. And the child full on is like, no. And she goes, are you sure you don't remember me? Because you and I have spoken very recently. Ah. So unbeknownst to me, when the child was telling my staff more abuse stories, my staff member also had called social services. Okay. So now there's been my phone calls, parent phone calls, travel through, through two, three years, another phone call, and now here we are again. 
And the social worker is becoming, it's becoming to me very obvious that the social worker um, does not believe the child. Okay. And I'm like, hmm. So they go through the whole, whatever you do, the whole process. Process. And they're now going to investigate the house. And the social worker asks me, because the social worker remembers me from the file, because I'm obviously on this kid's file, if the child can come live with me for just the near future, just to kind of sort things out at home. So I take child to my house. Okay. Child now is basically, like, they no longer live at home. So they have to tell their mom, I'm not coming back because you drink. The mom is livid. The mom is livid Livid. at me. Mm Mm-hmm. But I am like, okay, well, I'm doing the right thing. She's an alcoholic. It's unsafe. It's unsafe to be there. Yeah. Um, the child needs a safe place to be, and I am going to be that safe place. And our kids are friends, and it's going to be totally fine. We have enough room in our house, blah, 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 blah. Social services does their investigation, and they phone me first. Probably not me first, but me first effort was done to let me know that the child is safe to reenter the home, that they saw absolutely no indication as to the mother being an alcoholic. Yeah. Or there to be any reason why the child would be unsafe inside that home. Even with the stepfather's word. Right? It's weird. That is very weird. And so I say to this lady, I'm like, you know, I understand that there's been some past stuff and some past lies, but I just, I don't feel right about it. Like the stepdad is confirming that this is happening. Yeah. And she's like, I'm sorry, but we've had so many issues with this child. It is a safe space to be. You can keep her there if you want, but you won't receive any kind of, like, government support for her. Yep. She can live at your house for as long as needs be, but it's she needs to go home. And the, we're considering this investigation closed. She needs to go home. Okay. Well, the kid refuses to go home because she claims it's unsafe there. Yeah. The stepdad is aware that I'm keeping the child as is the mother. The mom asks to meet with me. Okay. Okay. So her and I meet yep. at Starbucks. Starbucks. Classic. Classic. Um, I tell her why her child's no longer in her home because she said that she didn't realize why. I tell her about the drinking. And what I actually, I forgot to mention in our prior episode is this whole time, I actually always assumed the mom was an alcoholic. Right. She often came to the studio to pick up the child with glassy eyes smelling of mouthwash with that Mm -hmm. undertone of alcohol. Um, I had a few parents approach me about it who had had alcoholic parents growing up or in situations, and they were like, there's a lot of red flags. Our child was never allowed to get into a car with her. Um, So weird, just like weird things. Weird things things that are adding up. That then made me think, okay, well, she is an alcoholic, and alcoholics are good at covering up being alcoholics. Yes, if... Like, how she knew the house investigation was going to come. What were they expecting to find? Like, she's a high-functioning, works hard, right? It's hard. It's hard to to nip it in the bud, I think. So, anyway, she denies it all. And I said to her, I said, well, you know, I did approach your husband about this. And he has confirmed that it's true. So, we need to get you help and your daughter help. Well, she loses her mind. She kicks her husband out that night, and they are no longer. So husband's gone, like, overnight, quick. Just Seamless, gone. out he goes. Crazy. Crazy. So she got rid of the husband. I have the daughter. She's now living alone in this house. The husband's talking to me, um, and he doesn't know what to do, and he's like, they're absolutely, cr- like, she's crazy. Like, he's like, my ex-wife is crazy. There's crazy stuff going on in the family you don't even know. And I'm like... Yeah, no, I don't know. Like, there's something super weird. 
So the child proceeds to live with us for quite a while and um, I encourage her to start counseling. Yeah. So she does. She starts counseling. She goes a couple of times and then she's home at our house one night and she says, I need to tell my mom something tomorrow, but I want, um, but the counselor has told me I need to, but I want to tell you first. And I'm like, okay, what's it going to be? Like, what's it going to be? And I'm like, she's going to tell me she's pregnant. Oh, Holy uh, smokes, we're dealing with yeah. a pregnancy situation. Mm-hmm. So we sit down at the kitchen table and I go, what's up? And she says, um... I'm transgender. I am not the person I say I am. I am transgender. I've known I'm transgender for a while. I'm um, a female to male transition. Okay. And I want to be a boy now. And I am super supportive. So I go, wow. Like that was huge to tell me. Absolutely. Holy smokes. We completely support you. How can I support you? Um, all this stuff, you know, I'll support you through you telling your mom. And so now it's kind of like making maybe a little more sense that the stories have been so insane up until this point because of this child has felt that they haven't been living their true lives. They've maybe been seeking for outside, like, um, outside, what's the word I'm looking for? Like love and outside things to make them feel better about themselves because they were struggling with who they really were as a person. Right. And being unable to like vocalize that and unable to, yeah. So what's interesting though, and this is true in this child's track record of stories they would tell, is any bit of information we have ever received from this child prior, if it was like an injury, usually an injury in their body. Yeah. Or the mom being alcoholic or the mom being abusive. It always seemed to be really well researched. Like they knew every tidbit of information they could know on the subject. Yeah. Which I find odd. I find it odd for, and I deal with a lot of kids, for them to know literally everything and to be able to regurgitate it as if they've memorized it. So it's a very interesting trait. So when it came to the transgender conversation, this, and I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that the, that, the tra- that them being transgender is not true, but what was interesting to me in the moment was that the child knew every scientific term, every bit of terminology in, ter- in regards to transgendering, or sorry, transitioning, sorry. They knew all the names of all the different hormones they could take. They knew, like they knew everything now they could have spent hours and hours researching it because they were trying to figure out themselves as a person Mm -hmm. but it also very closely follows the line of everything else this child did getting to this point with everything so body injuries whatever and it was just really interesting right so that child told me on a tuesday night that they were transgender we fully supported them by the next day, they had cut their hair, changed their name at school, changed their name everywhere. Yeah. And it was just a very quick, and again, I don't know because I have not had to have that experience, but it seemed so well mapped out. I have since then met other people who are transgender and I've watched other people transition and I have never seen it this well, well mapped out ever so that the transition was so quick. Um, they came out to their mom who 
was actually not supportive. Okay. Um, I think it, it shocked her, uh, made her angry. She also didn't understand why the name change and everything happened like within minutes. Like it, and it was weird because like I went from a conversation with him now being like, you know, if you thought of names and he's like, oh, I'm not sure I'm trying some out, like having that conversation face to face in my living room to that night getting a call from the school that he had changed his name at school. Yeah. It's weird. Like it's weird if you're having the conversation already, you didn't know your name, but now you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of weirdness around it. A lot, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people that were involved in this transition who also had a lot of concerns around it. Uh, he immediately joined the LGBTQ plus community, which is great, uh, and immediately linked up with somebody who was going to help him start hormones immediately without any form of um, like mental health evaluation, any form, which are important things. Like not Again, not that this isn't true, but like no mental health evaluation, no... This is a lifelong altering process that you're going into, which we all support, but you're also only 16 years old. So what, like what, what works and what doesn't work and what are the long-term effects and all this, none of that mattered. He found somebody, that person was going to give him the hormones, he was going to start the hormones. This was exactly what he wanted. Yeah. Okay. So once he came out transgender, suddenly everything was going to be okay with his mom again and he went home and now he's home. And we're all like, okay. And we, it was, I mean, obviously fully embraced. Like the studio embraced it immediately. So going into a studio perspective, because I've had people ask me this question, like, how did you handle it? And I'm just kind of like, well, there was nothing to handle. No. We don't make a sign that we're straight. We don't need to make a sign that we're gay. We don't need to make a sign that we're transgender. It's just this person, she was now he. And we just flowed seamlessly into it. And we supported him in that role, you know, like, we changed his costumes immediately, um, all those things to make him feel really, really, really supported. Of course. In his grade 12 year of school. And because it was, it was huge. It was absolutely huge. Um, so then still a few more weird things happened, though. His mom went away on vacation to Mexico and he was living alone, like staying alone because he's now older. And um, he was in a play. And it was just really weird. Like he was in a play. And um, he got hit on the head in the play, apparently, by a fake toy gun. And this head hit made him have a serious concussion where he couldn't walk. He couldn't. And I, honest to God, I believe that he was acting this out still to this day. Yeah. So I got the phone call because his mom's in Mexico. I get the phone call. So-and-so's in the hospital. Concussion. Rush down to the hospital, he's getting evaluated, and they're like, honestly, it's just a concussion, no screens, like, go home. Yeah, just don't So now he's bed. coming home to my house because I can't leave this kid alone in their house. So now he's back in my home and is apparently so unconscious that he can't walk, he can't get up to go to the bathroom, like, acting like, not acting, but apparently it's the most severe concussion we've ever seen where two days later he's still unable to walk or move where I actually drive him to the hospital again in the middle of the night to get serious yes to get a brain scan calling his mom in Mexico being like I'm taking him for a brain scan because what the heck is happening so we get to the brain scan portion and the doctor's looking at me going I don't see anything like 
he should be fine. Yeah, like there's no reason why yeah. he should be walking. He should be fine. He should be able to at least walk and communicate. Can't do any of this. Anyways, we get the brain scan done, and then a couple of days later, he's just better. And he goes back home. And then all of a sudden, he has a injured shoulder. And the injured sh- or the injured shoulder is just another story that came up. It actually happened a little bit before. And the injured shoulder was he no longer could move his arm all of a sudden. And he couldn't raise his arm at all. He couldn't use that left side of his body in extreme pain. We had to go to the doctor and he got like pain prescription meds for it. To all the way to the point where we ended up going to acupuncture and a specialist. And nobody could figure out what was wrong with him because all of the scans were coming up completely clear. Oh my god, yeah. But this is kind of the point where I'm saying how he knew everything. He knew everything about this injury he so-called had to. Like he knew every medical term. He knew what would work and what didn't work. Like weird, weird things. Like he had researched it. Same with the concussion. It was like he had researched how a person with concussion would behave. Yeah. So when we, like, so the the piece where he came when he was transgender and he had such factual fact information, like it was no longer coming from the heart. It was matter of fact information. Mm-hmm. It was weird. It was weird. It was like, okay, why do you, like, you, you know so much. It's, it's interesting and it's memorized. Like, it's like regurgitated memorization off of websites and things he's read and the same concept of copying the Gossip Girl emancipation. Yeah. Like, always really well, well researched, always a really well high achiever, always a perfectionist. Somebody that you're like, wow, this person is, like, the smartest, most amazing, most talented person on earth. Yeah. Because everything was to a perfection. So when he came out to his mom being transgender, interestingly enough, his mom met me. And she said to me, she says, I think my child has. um, And I'm probably going to get the disorder wrong. um, And I probably should have looked it up before this. But basically, OCD. Um, where if you actually look up the disorder, OCD doesn't necessarily mean like the stereotypes that we believe where it's like you wash your hands a million times or you line up like your pants in a straight row. There can be other things. And, um, a lot of his characteristics actually show up in this, um, disorder, disorder. It's weird. Um, so yeah, so she thought that, I mean, I was like, no, he's transgender, so no, like you're wrong. I was like, she's kind of reaching for something else. But it did pique my interest because a lot of the other stuff, aside from the transgender piece, yep. actually did fit with this disorder. This disorder. So either way, he ends up going through his grade 12 year, navigating, you know, becoming his own self, his own person, which is great. The support he has from my family and the studio is extreme. His mom becomes extremely supportive as well. Um, After his concussion episode, he ends up going back home again, totally fine, living with his mom. Life is great. And he's going to now start going to look for universities. But he's also going to stay another year and dance with us because his friends are a year younger. Right. So he's going to do one more year of dance at our studio with everybody. And that year ends up becoming the utmost extreme. So now we've watched him go from the abuse allegations to being the small child growing up, 
all the weird things are happening to fast forwarding through the the alcoholic mom. Yeah. Which no, nothing ever gets resolved around that, by the way. Nobody ever revisits. That just goes away. It goes away. It's so never the second, revisited. Yeah. So the second he comes out that he's transgender, no longer mom's, mom's no longer a problem. Okay. It's weird. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, yeah. So we're going to end it there because then we're going to go to the third and final moment of the saga, which is his final year in our studio, his final year in our lives, um, and the reason as to why we no longer have this individual in your life, in our life whatsoever. Great. Great. Are you ready for more? I'm ready. Have we piqued your interest? I mean, yes, always. Always. (laughs) Okay. We'll hear from you. uh, We won't hear from you guys. I feel like I'm on a TV show or something or like, I don't even know. If I was on a TV show, I'd want to be on The Price is Right. I don't know what I would be on. <laughs> the Bachelor in Paradise is um, casting what? in Canada. Yeah, I don't think that's for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's not for me either. But this is right. I had to think about that question. <laughs> if you were to be on a TV show, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk to you guys next time on Behind the Bar. Don't forget, you can email us at Behind the Bar Podcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at Behind the Bar Pod. Talk to you later.